Hey, Fox, why don't you start us off? Hello and welcome to The Front Porch, your weekly source for news on the porch. Woohoo! I'm Fox, and with me as always, I have Dennis. What's up, everybody? And Michael. Hey, it's Fox. What's up, Fox? How you doing today, buddy? Doing good, sir. On this week's episode number, I have no idea what number 48. it is. 48. We're 48. 48. 48. We are going to talk about the things we typically talk about, including <laughs> just guessing, RPGs, Gen Con, Star Trek ranting, and other such things. Um, and that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> that's good. Hey, I, I thank think you. I think those are good topics. Uh, we're just going to record that and play that back every week. How's that? Uh, that's fair you pay me residuals each week though just make sure I'll, I'll, that's right we'll negotiate sure you... a we'll negotiate a price after the fact sir you know if you had a dollar for every time we said fox on this show it would be you know you'd be a rich man by now <laughs> oh so. i could only hope so there's that for our listeners here today we have with us um fox from geek scholars movie news uh welcome fox he's our uh Resident Thank guy, you. we our visitor and guy we talk about here once we're uh, one of our favorite podcasts on Geek Scholar. It's just Geek Scholar News, right? Or is it GeekScholars.com? It's you Geek say Scholars. It every time. Yeah, no. I mean, there's like several variations. I'm going to need to like get all these URLs just to make sure I get them all right. Because when you guys are making <laughs> yeah, right. famous and people are trying to find us, it's, Ge- it's Geek Scholars Movie News. We are at GeekScholars.com. Mine is just bookmarked. Just always go to it. Make sure it's on your your favorite podcast thing. Those guys are awesome. Uh, Three people. Geek Scholars Chris, Geek Scholar Fox, Geek Scholar Jill. And uh, one of our, our usual kind of stuff. So how's it been, Fox? We haven't talked to you in a while. I know. It's been far too long. Well, I've been planning our epic Gen Con trip, which I'm sure we'll get into real soon. Life is good. Been playing lots of board games, a lot of Gloomhaven. I want to thank you all for the uh, intro you gave to the to the game and the uh, tutorial. <laughs> I thought that was really well mm-hmm. done. Yeah. So uh, I am planning our epic D&D session, which we have every year at Gen Con. Uh, I will tell you, I made the maps by hand. I have them printed out so we can lay them out on the table. Oh, yeah, we're going hardcore this year, sirs. Uh, It's going to be – It's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm very excited for that. Uh, Gosh, I guess we're only – I don't know. When when is this going to air? How how soon before Gen Con will this – Well, it'll be past the 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 point, right, Dennis? No, no, so so Gen Con was great. Remember that (laughs) time? Time. We all drank that whiskey and had a wonderful time. Hey, I was thinking about uh, my that. Favorite, I was thinking this my was favorite Monday game. before Gen Con. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, see, you're throwing me off now because I was about to say my favorite game was and just have silence and see if you could just drop it in. Okay, so so Fox, a couple of the guys here I know are that are going to be playing with you are listeners of the show. So do you, can you uh-huh. can you give us any kind of sneak peeks for uh, this? Will be Wednesday's uh, big big event that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, all right. What I'll give you, you, what a little, you give uh, us a little bit of peek. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a little peek. So last year, for those of you who don't know, I ran a session that was heavily based in the world of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Legendary. And I took, yeah, that's right. yeah, I took a lot of flack because people didn't know how to translate <laughs> their <laughs> Faerun characters to a starship, which was fair. Uh, um, so this time we will be staying in the Forgotten Realms. I will say I am. Borrowing heavily from a movie IP, as is my signature move. Nice, um, nice. I'm not going to say any more than that, uh, but you will be battling lots of monsters, and, and we'll and leave it there. Lots of monsters. Is, is, one of, is one a marshmallow? Do I need to have? No, it's a good guess. I, I, <laughs> I just could not go a Ghostbusters route. I just thought it would be too weird. Man. I thought about it, um, 
but maybe Dude, there's like demons. You can totally get that from the I, demon. Yeah, it's, it's just always 2019. I put in the request now, and I'll, it'll, it's going to be take, in there. It's gonna it'll happen. be in the suggestion box. I love it. I think it's going to be a good time. I can't wait. I would love to come back on the show and talk to you about it uh, from my perspective because I think it's always fascinating. Mike, I know you've run several uh, several games, and Dennis is now in the middle of a fantastic. Oh, Dennis uh, is RPG. The, Dennis is an official at GM at this point. Absolutely, for, for Star Trek Adventures. Um, so, so maybe that's interesting so we're we're deep into this now you know Mike, know, can, can you can you believe that he's actually like he, he's got this underneath his belt and, and he's dennis, doing character last voices. time we talked you 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 had asked him he dennis not that i'm talking about you as if you're not here dennis but that dennis had asked both you and i we had a whole whole episode based on you know what do we think and how do we dm and the different kinds of that types like that we should now interview dennis i agree see, dennis what do you think mm. about dming this, is, this took an unexpected <laughs> it was on the script so i saw it right what, what's uh, what's what's your uh, what's how do you feel now you've been a you've been a gm i guess it's a gm right for or uh yeah what you because because wizard uh wtc has has trademarked uh dungeon master dungeon so master in, right. so you've been a in, gm in the, for a while now um in the book how, it's how do you feel about master it? but yeah gm is it's <laughs> it's very i don't want to say high risk high reward but it oh, is that's good. No, I agree with that. Often, often incredibly stressful, and then also often very rewarding. Um, I, without getting getting into this too personally, I <clears throat> listeners of the show will know that I work and record from a standing desk. So mm-hmm. when when we're playing um, and I'm running things, I'm standing up at my desk and recording. <laughs> and so when when we usually, have those by the moments, way, I'm just usually laying down on the couch with the whiskey in my hand. Just, yeah, just so you know the, the comparison there. <laughs> um, Pat's in his in his home theater, like sometimes <laughs> half watching the Pacers game in the background or something. <laughs> right. um, and that's why Fo- when, this is why Fox gets frustrated with us at the beginning of every Star Trek <laughs> campaign. But we've had several moments over the, the course of the campaign I guess you could call it a campaign. Maybe season is the better word because the the system is is television centric. Um, where a couple of you will get into an in character discussion or debate of some kind and and go back and forth with a with a little bit of role playing a little and like suddenly I don't I don't have to like be running everything and you guys are are making stuff happen on your own and I'll often take a step back and you know do a little you know pump my fist or whatever because it's i feel like it's it's working it's like uh you know young baby anakin in in phantom menace it's uh <laughs> it's working it's young working it's working oh god jeez that's a, that is great paul <laughs> the worst is what it was oh, i mean hey, i'm so, a, okay i'm a so, programmer so, so that often happens in, bad in video games right? or, like, and and or, you say it's uh i don't know uh Highs and lows, is that what you say? Like a kind of a roller coaster feeling emotion from a GM? Yeah, I mean I mean we'll get we'll get through a session and, and I'll feel like man, all the you know, however much it was, we have trouble with scheduling, which I'm sure is not a unique uh concern for um for adults trying to coordinate the schedule of five people. But um I will I've several times like prepared for a play session and like read through the the scenario or episode as they're called and make notes and then somebody can't make it sometimes it's one of you sometimes it's me it's 
always something. It's Fox with his um, cosplay boat boat excursions that he does all the time. Yeah, it's my popularity. bad. Popularity. It's all the paparazzi yeah. that's you around know, my, him all the time. My, break. It's my parents' basement in, flooded in one studio. time. Um, <laughs> uh, I forget. Chris had something, some work thing one time. I don't It just, it happens. But right. that will happen, and then we won't be able to meet for a week later than we expected. And so maybe, like, I researched the scenario and did the notes and everything, like, on a Saturday before we record on, on the following Wednesday. But then we don't record until the Wednesday after that. And maybe I'll glance through the notes, but for the most part, I'm like, well, I went through this already. Like, what am I going to do? And then we'll get... we'll sit down to record and i'm like oh i forgot about this and i and it's a lot of it is just learning because i've never done this before and i sort of approached it like a like a normal <laughs> board game where you you just kind of read through and it yeah. and it spells it out for you especially our very first um play session that we didn't record the um the quick start mission um it was fairly step by step um which is a little ridiculous in the world of tabletop rpgs because it doesn't leave a lot of flexibility for what you guys as the <laughs> players do um but that was sort of my approach and i don't i didn't really have the 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 skill or the experience to to know how to how to improvise while we're playing or even to prepare flexible enough um notes before we start to to account for you know, so obviously I can't account for everything that you guys could possibly do. And so a lot of times I end up, you know, doing the really lame thing of like tying your hands. Oh, yeah. Narratively speaking, like, oh, yeah, you do that and there's nothing there. That's like, yeah, yeah because I don't. So what, don't are, what any... advice would you give to new GMs as someone who is new yourself? If, you yeah, know, yeah. if you could go back in time and you give yourself just a tip or yeah, trick if you or were two. Michael yeah. and Fox giving you advice now, right? <laughs> what would you say? I don't, I don't know that I, I mean, the, you get better at it with over time is such a yep. lame truism that, that happens to be completely accurate. Um, in in so many things, like it was true for podcasting, is true. It was true in my career. Um, and GMing is just the same. Weird, if you're starting right off, you just yeah. have to have that patience and stick with it, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of advice. You know, I asked, I posted questions on Reddit and got advice from um, other GMs. I feel like, and I don't know whether whether either of you guys will be able to answer this but i feel like this system um relies heavily on the gm's improvisation or um like narrative uh uh ability oh yeah sure and what i mean by that is because because it's star trek because it's a uh you know star trek's version of utopia so there's no um there's no like personal possessions really and that they're always trying to avoid combat um it's not as like structure or or system based as something like D&D that has you know bestiary and a whole book full of random equipment that you can have and XP and levels and um and and combat systems and all that this system relies the star trek adventure system relies much more on like 
narrative and and R O L L role playing. Right. I no, actually R O L E role playing. R O L E, not R O L. That's actually a, a cool thing I was just thinking about was that uh, fans of Geek Scholar Fox, if uh, want to know some good behind see some good behind the scenes uh, uh, Fox platitudes, gets should watch the uh, listen to the show once uh, Dennis finally releases it. We um, because. Um, many of the episodes is Fox trying to fight off his um, frustration with the rest of us to, to, to move us <laughs> along the path. Um, hey, Fox, I can't remember. You, yeah. you were, were or were not a big Star Trek fan before this one. So it's funny because <laughs> Dennis and I got into this earlier I, today. I, yeah. I love your I love your passive aggressive questions, Mike. You're like <laughs> when Dennis finally uploads it, as if I'm not waiting for something from you before I can upload it. <laughs> You're right. Um, okay, so here is my Star Trek knowledge. I am very familiar with all the films because I oh that's you know, right. Okay, I'm films, a film yeah. journalist, so I know all the. I mean, literally everything from. Uh, the original series, Star Trek, you know, one, uh, yep. the movie up through uh, what is now Star Trek uh, Beyond. 25. I could tell you, yeah, I could tell you <laughs> 25. Something I could like tell that you all the, it's 13. All right. All right. So I could, tell, I could tell you everything there is to know about those films. I did watch religiously Star Trek The Next Generation. I don't think I'd be as good in a trivia contest about the show okay. uh, as I would be about the movies. But I, I feel like I can hold my own when it comes to Star Trek. Okay. So, so are, you saying, are you saying then that you know what God needs with a starship? <laughs> It's a simple question. <laughs> what does God need you don't go around asking the Almighty for his credentials. <laughs> right. Yeah, so yes. Yes. Hey, uh, so if you doubt me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, let's let's talk a little bit of brass tacks about this, this campaign for some of our listeners who may be Star Trek fans because we had a long period where we're Star Trek-centric uh, here. Um, what uh, – you're just a movie just, – just from the movies and – a little bit of the next generation has this system. Let's critique the system. Has this system been a good Star Trek system for you? Does it feel Star Trekky? I guess to me, um, yes, it does. I, I like. Yeah. I will say, I like the um, the. And I'm going to get these wrong, but the attributes and the foci yeah. where you can kind of you choose this sort of duology of two specialities and you mix them together and that sort of gives you the advantage on your role. I like that idea of it. Um, I do notice that the system relies really heavily on one's ability to be creative as a role player. I think more so than Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons, I think... You kind of get into a situation, and if you want to, you can just say you do something, and they have a role for everything. And therefore, it's kind of easy to let the dice dictate what happens. STA, um, like it or leave it, tries to say, okay, imagine you are on the starship or in the situation as a member of Starfleet a little bit more heavily than other RPG systems I've encountered. What do you think, Mike? I, you know, that, that's a real good question because uh, I've had literally uh, at least two or three different people when I've been DMing 4th edition, 3rd edition say uh, of Dungeons & Dragons say things like, um, I want to to get to that side of the bar, I roll a 25 on stealth. 
like like they don't even try to role play it per se. They just know the, the stat, they know the thing, and they roll the stat because they want to roll. They want to. They don't want to R O L E it. They want to R O L L it. Um, but Star Trek does almost like force a almost like a to, sandbox video game. Yes, right. Um, and that has always annoyed me. That has always annoyed me. It's like no, 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 no. You you need to tell me what you're doing, and then I'll call for whatever that might be a roll or maybe not, or I'll just say you made it. Um, but Star Trek doesn't even really have those options. It's, I mean, it kind of does, but it just has, we just talk. I, I've, I've talked to, to both of you, I think at certain times on the, on the, the, our, our group chats about how this is, um, this is so much closer to a creative or collaborative storytelling than all the other role-playing games that I've played. There's really, really light kind of rolling per se. Mm -hmm. It's mostly just storytelling, which is kind of what Star Trek has been. I mean, at least the next generation movies have been heavy on personal interaction, player interaction. And, and honestly, the, the thing I find most fun about playing this, this game is that, and I would challenge anybody else of our team to say it differently, is that uh, it's just hanging out with the guys. We're, we're all playing these Star Trek things and joking about the rules of acquisition and Pat saying them out and Fox <laughs> ribbing our captain about stuff. And um, it's just those are things that we enjoy to do in this kind of, you know, free form environment without a lot of hardcore rules lets us kind of do that. So I like. Yeah, that. I mean, it's a it's a combination of I mean, yes, the rules are definitely written that way. Um, I mean, the whole um, momentum mechanic is actually described in the book, which the book is beautiful and, you know, weird like white text on black paper, you know, fits the, the Elkar's theme from Star Trek and all of that stuff. But, and it's full of like quotes and lore and all of this stuff from the, from the Star Trek world. Um, but some of the mechanics are explained in a, a difficult to comprehend way. And so I found myself very often on Reddit going, can, can somebody, or let me Google through if somebody, because probably somebody else asked it already, like, can somebody break down this, you know, extended task system so that I can understand it? Because I read through it, the paragraph in the book like three times and I still don't get it. Um, but the the momentum system is described in a narrative way. It's like, you know, if you, if you do a scan with your tricorder and you roll more successes than you need, Maybe you got some extra information, and so when the captain is jumping across the ravine, you're like, hey, there's a there's a rock right there that you can try to catch your foot on, and that is supposed to give him an extra roll. Like, it's written in a way that you could be role-playing all of your momentum gains and spends, whatever, I, I, I don't know how, right. what other words to use to describe that, but, um, you know, so you, you, how you, much, you know what? how much you do okay. that, so... Uh, just to complete that thought, the so it's a combination of that and the fact that we're recording it in audio in podcast format means I'm leaning more into the discussion verbal part of it and not doing as much like um, pictures or maps or and not that there's that much of that in the system like they do have maps, but they're not like D&D maps. The combat is not described in grids and spaces there's no you know move five feet thing it's just is something what range Close is something to me or from right, you yeah. is it 
Is it touch range? Is it close range? Is it medium range? Is it long range? And if it's, right. you know, if it's long range, your phaser is probably still okay, but you're not going to be able to hit them with a bot left or something. Right. You, you know, it's funny. Now, now that I think about it, and I hadn't, it's amazing. I hadn't even thought about this till now. Fox, I think this would have mm-hmm. worked well for your campaign last year. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean would have, which is really funny. Oddly enough, but you know, you, you, yeah. with, with minimal, everyone needed, it's really minimal amount of information you need to know to, to make a character and to play a character. That's true. And, and it's heavily role playing focused. And I know your last year's, uh, at least last year's adventure was very, heavily role played story not role played story centered yeah um, i think it's a it's a good point yeah. right and, and so, we were all so many of the people there were, were like trying to fit this st- stats and statistics into into this game that's but a really funny this, observation this yeah. would have fit well i think into that and you could have really run that it's just a difference between systems right someone playing D and someone playing I don't, star trek i don't know if, i don't know if you guys have a sense for this this might be a better question for um pat and chris our our other two players um, but do you have a sense for how much of the of the player handbook, the rule book, you had to um, read or or reference for this game compared to Five E? I know. Oh, minimal, I mean, minimal. Mike Mike's like, been playing D anD D since the seventies, so. Uh, right, but but I've been sure I've been I I read now, the but... whole rule books. This one I just had to skim. I don't know about Fox, but I just I just skimmed. There was hardly any real like stats. Wait, so you're saying there are rules to this game? There's a book. I see, exactly. there's, like a, there's a you're saying there's a book I could read for this game. Why did anyone tell me? Um, you guys both. Mike said that that he, that he, you used to or maybe still do like read the whole player's handbook. And Fox on another occasion said that when you started doing D and D that um, that your wife read read the whole book. And so that's what I did. Like over the Christmas holiday before we started, I read the whole player's handbook. Like, this will be this I, will be telling. Yeah. I listened to the I adventures. I skipped though. over some of the lore because I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't need this. Give me to the give me to the rules. That's what I need to know. Yeah. I just listened to other people playing <laughs> D D to learn. I did a lot of that too. You know, in this game, this game for people who are think, considering what game they should play if they want to think about a, a system, this that is really what this game is. So, for our listeners, if if you do want to have a rules minimal type game, it does have rules and it has structure, sure. But if you want to, I know a lot of people who play very, you know, just story driven games and they want to have minimal kind of stuff. This is literally something that you could probably pop out even with a group of friends that happen to come over on a Saturday night, you can give them character sheets and just have a, a minimal amount of information and just, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, especially because of the duology, like this check is a plus B. Yeah. Especially, especially in the star Trek universe. Um, I know there are a couple other systems that are, that are more generic. Um, the, the rolling system is, it's interesting. It like, it has a built in cap. Right, like you could never get more proficient than than a certain than a certain amount. Unlike you know um, standard D anD D, where you keep adding dice to things. Um, but the the um, the roll system is sort of it might better be understood as like talents and skills, maybe. Okay. I sp- I spent a lot of time looking at those and trying to get synonyms for what all the different ones are. Like there's um, you know, there's insight and reason. I'm like, okay, what are those? What do those mean? Well, reason is like is like knowledge or 
or, oh, or this... logic and yeah. and insight is like intuition or maybe oh. wisdom dude it's intelligence and wisdom it's the same conversation that everybody has with intelligence and wisdom what's the difference between the two is what it is hey so the, not to part, yeah. for the most part not not to uh to i think we've got a, we've got a, a a timer going off somewhere on our uh <laughs> the front porch star trek conversation here so i, I, I let's, you... let's transition to something that i'm i'm super interested in with our our, our guest here hey fox got a question for you yes sir what good news have you had this week? <laughs> what has this... gone on with you? Good news, everyone. All right. So my, my good news is that I want to talk about an, a revolution in theater going technology. So my good news Whoa, is that okay. I am going to go see Mission Impossible Fallout, a series that I absolutely love yes. in what is called a 4DX theater. Whoa, okay. Um, so I've not wait, I've not yeah, even heard yeah. this, so you got to describe it to me. Yeah. So a 4DX theater, um have you ever been either of you to Universal Studios or Disney World? And specifically oh, yeah. I'm thinking about a ride in which you sit down, put on 3D glasses, but then the seat you are in moves and there are other yes. tactile stimulations yes. that yeah, occur I've, while you watch the film. I've, yes. I've been in the uh, Days of Thunder ride in Universal. Uh, Alright, so you smell the burn rubber and you, yeah. you feel yeah. the smoke when the tire screeches. So this right. is a new Spider -Man thing. Spider-Man in Universal, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is a new thing in Washington, D.C., where, where I am, has just recently installed one of these 4DX theaters and there is now a company that takes major blockbusters and programs the sensory input for that specific film and mission impossible fallout is one of the ones i'm going to get to experience this upcoming thursday and i gotta say i'm a little bit nervous because i think i'm gonna get vertigo <laughs> given the yeah. way they do the stunts how, how do they do that with, with how do, okay how, explain to me a little bit more in detail here. So yeah so let's a, go somebody had to dust off with the smell and vision well well i've not seen this one how about this i know a movie that you guys both saw let's talk about solo Okay, they, right. they have solo 4DX. Okay. Right, so so if you remember in the opening uh, sequences where he's in, on the slave planet and he is sort of talking to that beast monster that controls all the slaves um, and she's in a water pit. Well, anytime there was a splash, basically a spray of water flew out at me and hit me in the face. Anytime Han Solo was thrown into an object which was a lot, I might say. Yeah. A, a little bump hit me in the back of the seat, which was really oh, kind, okay. of, kind of horrible. Now, and then the other thing is the, the seat slowly rotates on a, a small gyroscope. So when the Millennium Falcon does a barrel roll, they have positioned your seat without you knowing it to the left and then rotate it hard to the right so that you feel the barrel roll with the ship on the screen. And then when it you know, it hits an asteroid or something, you feel the bump underneath your seat. Um, so I'm really excited. That's my good news that I'm going to get to see Mission Impossible Fallout in this uh, particular format. I mean, that, that's exciting because I'd not ever heard of that. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I've not heard that they're they're translating actual other movies. Yeah, that. they are. It's, really it, it's in big cities. I don't know if Indianapolis has one yet. I guarantee you Bloomington does not. Um, yeah, sure. But, but <laughs> D.C. does. New York does. Chicago, L.A., Austin, Texas. Wow. And so I think this is the future. And so that's why I was a little bit excited to report wow. on it uh, to this audience. Uh, right. Be on the lookout for it because you are also wearing the 3D glasses. So it is a real uh, sensory experience. What, what's, what's the 
Can I ask what the the price is for that kind of? A what ticket? do you think the price is? I would I would guess it'd be twenty to twenty five dollars. It yeah. is twenty five dollars a ticket. Yeah. You get assigned seating, but yes, that's exactly what it is. Sounds, I mean, right. I get it, but whoo, that's pricey. Whoo. What, uh, about, what Dennis? About, what do you What do you got for some good news this week? What yeah, What's some was, awesome stuff that's going on? I was going to ask you. Okay, so <laughs> I beat you. Um, too. Very quickly, personal personal good news. I I finally got um, um, primer sprayed on the second floor of my house. We've been keeping up. Oh, that's good. My house. So awesome. I feel like I'm I'm finally on the track. Like there's still some some issues with those surfaces, walls, and ceiling, but they don't show up under normal lighting. So I'm not worried about them. I'm moving forward. I'm done dealing with the drywall and i also um got on ebay another missing uh um, expansion pack for the lord of the rings living card game in more um um open i don't know what the word i'm looking for more accessible good news uh, i saw a trailer this last week for the shazam movie have you seen this mike oh what'd you think Oh, I've not watched it. Don't you guys dare spoil it for no, me. No, it's wrong. I got it. Uh, sorry, Mike. Just mute your. No, it doesn't work. Mute is the <laughs> oh, it voice. It does not work. No, Devin, don't talk I mean, about Devin. it. No, we're going to talk about it. It's your fault because you should have oh, watched it. No. Okay. Fine. So, God, so I'm worst. a, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Zachary Levi. My family and I are rewatching uh, Chuck, which is a who um, doesn't love Chuck? A, a show uh. that I think almost everyone in my family like, like from my mom down to. Uh, my youngest sister, who's she was too young to watch it when it was on, but you know is is now has seen it, has seen it now. It's so it's so cheesy yet so hilarious. Uh, you know the cast is all great, but um, I saw this trailer and I thought, man, did like did did um, Warner Brothers hire? I don't know if it's Warner Brothers. Did they hire somebody? It absolutely is from uh, from the Marvel team. To come over here and uh, and make an actual like funny, entertaining movie in the DC universe. Uh, That's fascinating. So, what movie in the Marvel universe does it remind you of, Dennis? Oh man! Um, no, I mean, I mean I, 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 there's a it's a leading question that I'm asking. Okay, give me give me a second. Um, it's no, just no, no, it, I'm not listening. I'm, to well, no, 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 I'm just wondering: is it because it's good? Is that, is that your basis, or is there something it reminds you of specifically? I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Ant Man in the I guess fair no, normal guy gets powers sort of sort of trope. Um, we've I've talked about that. I don't know if I've said this specifically on the show, but it's a it's an observation I I picked up somewhere probably on on Movie Bob or something. Um, the idea that a a comic book movie and this might be something you guys agree or disagree with as actual comic readers where I'm, I am not um, a, a comic book, comic book movie needs a certain amount of brevity. It needs a certain amount of comedy because the premise is goofy, right? Like unless you're even, even Batman has goofy villains, but they're goofy in a sort of terrifying way. Um, the idea of a guy who, you know, is is impenetrable in, in um whatever on a is bulletproof and can fly is a little bit goofy and so it has to be there has to be some humor it's not to say that it has to be you know two hours of of endless quips and jokes but it can't be it can't be fully 100 percent serious or you get the fantastic four 
Oh, I'm I'm so nervous about this, guys. <laughs> so let me. I'm scared for this trailer. No, okay, Can, Dennis. Let me ask you a question. What is Deadpool rated? What do you mean rated? It's rated R. Yeah. What's Logan rated? R. Rated okay. R. What are what is every Marvel movie rated? PG thirteen. I mean, aside from mm-hmm. Deadpool. What is thoughts Marvel, on a Marvel? And I'm talking about Marvel Cinematic Universe. What is uh, Shazam rated? I don't know. Which I think is an interesting premise. I saw the preview for Shazam, and I think they could do a really good thing by fitting in or slotting themselves into the PG market because there are no really great live action superhero films that are family friendly, and that's what oh, I got from Shazam. PG Man, that, and not that, that totally yeah, goes I was gonna, 180 from Batman I was going to say, because I hadn't considered this before, but I, I don't see Zachary Levi doing a rated R movie, and from what I've seen from from the trailer, yeah, I, I think you're... I think you might be onto something. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be rated. They've not released it yet. But I think DC would be very smart and clever to look at what 20th Century Fox did and said, you know, we can't compete with the cinematic universe. We can't do that. But we can find are those really small corners that have not been explored in the superhero comic book genre. And the PG genre is one that is – there are no other films there. And so I'm hoping yeah, exactly. that Shazam does that. If you see this trailer, you think it could like settle down there and plant its own flag. Uh, you know what, though? There's, there are, the problem with the PG market is, though, is that it's got such a narrow focus. It's, I mean, I, I think even Harry Potter was PG-13. When you get into PG, you're getting onto to that, uh, oh, there was a series of books about Greek, Greek gods and their kids um, that came out not too long ago. It was the movies? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about, Fox? Where he was like the son of Neptune, or yeah, uh, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't even Nathan Fillion in one of those. I feel like I should know those. It, it was just one of those. You know, it was PG, and it was for kids that were you know 13 or under, and even Spy Kids or something like that. And and it's fine. And you're right, there is a niche, but how, how much do you do you get? That's that's clearly dominated by Disney with their you know Pixar people. And Pixar, yeah. Right. So is, is are you saying that they're they'll probably go for that kind of crowd? It doesn't seem like a big crowd to me. Well, I disagree because I think that if you can entice a parent to say, yes, I want to see that with the same level of enthusiasm as, yes, I am a six year old to 13 year old to go see it. Then you've won gold because then you're getting not one or two tickets, you're getting four or five. And that's where sure. Pixar was dominating for many years because people wanted to go see Pixar films because adults and kids alike found something to latch onto. I don't know that there's that equivalent in the superhero genre, comic book genre to date, but there could be. The closest thing we have are The Incredibles, and that's exactly why Incredibles made a ridiculous amount of money when it came out because – Older right. people and younger people wanted to go see it. So translate that to live action. You might be on to something. As long as they do. You're right. As long as they do. Well, it's it's scary because it's DC and Warner Brothers. But I, I've not well, seen this and trailer. Now I kind of want to do kind of. And it's sort of <laughs> and it's sort of the exact thing. You know, I used to I used to rant about Batman versus Superman a lot before we saw The Last Jedi. But um, where a lot of the problems with. Batman vs. Superman, where they seem to be trying to compete with the MCU. And you're like, okay, there are a number of reasons that's 
that's bad. Like, you're approaching this completely wrong. It's too serious. It's too dark. And you're trying to, like, go up against, you know, you're in a boxing match and you're in the in the lightweight category against the heavyweight MCU that's got, at the time, like, eight years of of movies behind it before they do their team-up movie. And yeah. this seems to be, if if this... If Fox's theory is correct, this is the it's the opposite. It's like instead of instead of trying to, you know, recreate the Beatles where you end up being the monkeys, you go at go at a <laughs> go at an untapped segment of the market. Um, I mean, yeah, that that PG, that family. I mean, it definitely it's different just in the same way that um, the Deadpool was very different from, you know, the MCU like that. That PG thirteen market is is saturated with with superhero movies, especially in the last okay. ten years. Oh, um, okay, so Let I can me see that doing question, really well. Not seeing the trailer again, Fox. Are you telling me that this trailer mm-hmm. did not give you the vibe of Percy Jackson? That's the word I was thinking. Of. It doesn't give you the vibe of the Percy Jackson trailers. Oh, not at all. I mean, I think this is big meets Superman, and I think it's very aware that it is trying to do that um it's the story of a teenage boy who suddenly becomes a superhero and what would you do with that sudden ability um it is, that's the key thing about shazam that really is yes it, i think it captures that magic and that levity in a way that we've not seen the dc universe today. yeah and and just like big where your your protagonist is often an adult man he's still played by a child so still is approaching i mean yeah all of those I mean, I need to rewatch Big. That was a great movie. So like <laughs> yeah, him, him going to work, and they're like, "Oh, you know, this, there's this girl over here. She'll, you know, whatever if you smile at her." And he's like, "Okay, I'll keep my distance then. Whatever." Just like to see a a kid, you know, approaching approaching those situations. That could be that could be incredibly entertaining. You should know that, I mean, this is so much a remake of Big in that there is a scene in the movie where they dance on a piano. In, in, wait, in Shazam? So, yes. I what? mean, they are very aware. They're just okay. blatantly ripping off Big and saying, okay. what if he was merged with Fun Superman? You know, te- Z- technically, Levi Big would a... be ripping off Shazam, but okay, sure. <laughs> well, well, yeah, if Shazam ever made a movie, but it didn't. And so in the cinematic right. medium. Okay, you're right. I Zachary Levi, it. as a young Tom Hanks, is a is a comparison that I never knew how much I needed until it just It's happened. so right, though. It's so right. <laughs> Zachary yeah. Levi, okay. one of the nicest uh, people I've ever met in my life. I believe it. I believe it for sure. All right, Mike. We This, this is, as usual, very long good news segment. What What do you got? Oh, uh, so I, I, I got to sit down with, uh, with someone. Out, we were kind of having a, a, a at-home kind of date type thing, and I got to experience the show the out, uh, called Outlander. Have you guys ever heard that movie tv show no, movie, my TV wife show. has read the uh the first book and my that's right i, I didn't know recently it was a book so it was yeah a book and my mother-in-law is watching the series which is i don't talk to her about it because of uh, that. yeah it's it's interesting I, I i will say that i am a big fan of scotland and ireland and that kind of older braveheart ish era of mm-hmm. of the history of great britain so I, I hadn't heard of this one and she had heard about it and she's like, let's watch this thing. I think you'll enjoy it. And granted, it's got some a lot of romance to it. So that's that's kind yeah, of the thing with it. It's like a time but travel romance novel. 
But it, it is. It's. I read the, the book and and saw the first season. I mean, I read the book like ten, fifteen years ago. But oh, okay, yeah. I, I saw. The, I watched the first season. Yeah. So so it's 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 fun. It's good. It's not completely. I expected it to be Twilight level of kind of romance. It's one of the reasons I hadn't watched it before then, considering mm. that my interest was with this. But I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I'm really enjoying the movie. I'm enjoying the this. What would you do out of kind of out of time type thing? And it's good that they're not like in, you know, 2018 going back in time to this thing. They're, they were the the, the lead is from. II, yeah. Yeah. World War Two. Just just um, post-war. Yeah. It's more it's it's closer to Game of Thrones, but with no with no real politics or or magic. Well, well, there's there's, there's politics there's, to it. I think the idea time of the traveling English magic versus... and there's a little bit of politics, but not not to the level of Game of Thrones. There's much more um, personal kind of not quite conflict, but um, characters being conflicted internally. Yes. And so forth. Right. So yeah. so that, that's been kind of my good news. I, th- I think that uh, if, if you do like a good personal drama, that's a historical personal drama. Um, this is a pretty good one. It's got great costumes, great set pieces. It's got a very realistic kind of thing. Because a lot of times when you watch on these CW shows where they're <laughs> historical pieces, they, they're they're just, you know, they don't look gritty or dirty when they look gritty and dirty. And this one does. Um, it Fox, gets realistic Fox, stuff. Fox, I wanted, I wanted to ask you this on one of our, in one of our group chats. But has, has Geek Scholar Jill watched the CW's Reign? Rain, as in R E A R R E I G N. Yes. Uh, no, because we, we don't watch television except Parks and Recreation. Oh, that, that's, right. that's, the movies. that's right. It's a very, uh, I don't even want to say tongue in cheek, but it's like it's like a high school theater story. I mean, in the very very CW sense. Of um, Mary Queen of Scots. So I should say that she loved. Um, she watches much more television than I do. She loved The Flash. She watched Supergirl. Um, she liked uh, what was it? I Zombie. Um, so mm-hmm. so all those things. So she is. She watched all of The Crown. She's watched Broadchurch. Um, so that sounds like something you should be interested in. With with the yeah. caveat that it is, it's very CW love triangle and the costumes are all like i feel like they have to be intentionally bad um she she might enjoy that you're not selling it man you're not selling this i i'm <laughs> i'm all about moderated expectations don't you real we've been doing right. this show almost I, a year right i i think though that that that's what like like jill would per- perhaps like is actually is the the outlander show because the thing i don't like about the cw shows as soon as they get into that like love triangle drama stuff it just throws me and i love the flash and i loved arrow until they got into that and supergirl and it's like oh groan 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 but i can watch <laughs> this outlander and it's a it's an adult version of it's romantic sure. stuff yeah it's it's not it's not a kids or teenagers you're watching people who are in their 30s acting like 30 year olds you know sure. so that's that's a that's a, i like that a lot a lot better i guess anyway that's my good news for the for this week all right Ooh. let's let's jump into a segment that uh that, that fox suggested we do um what's what's your guys's dream lego set now just just this past year <laughs> lego lego Wait, made we got a new we got a new we got a new thing and it's called what's your favorite lego set no, is i mean this is this we're not going to do this every week 
I mean, we could. We're, okay, I could talk in, about Legos forever, man. In the Legos past, are amazing. In the past year, Lego released this gigantic Millennium Falcon. It's like something like eight thousand pieces. Like okay, it's like sure, six hundred dollars, three hundred. I don't know. It's a, very expensive, as most Legos are. Um, yeah, Lego sets. So what? Um, let's start with you, Fox, because this was your idea. What? What Lego set could they make that you would instantly buy? <laughs> well, it's funny because I did suggest this idea, but I should say that the top three Lego sets that I would want them to make, they ha- actually already made. So I, I do own <laughs> the DeLorean from Back to the Future, the Ecto-1 sure. from Ghostbusters, and the right. epic Ghostbusters Firehouse, um, which was at one point the largest Lego set I've ever made. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw so, that on a, yeah. On a so, and they are all they're all well worth the money in the event. So I'm looking at the Ghostbusters Firehouse in my theater room right now. So, uh, Dennis, I'm going to apologize because you you kind of gave the answer I was going to give, and I thought, wow, I thought it would be amazing if they started releasing. Uh, Lego sets that were recreations of the various enterprises, and for me, it would be the Enterprise NCC 1701D. I feel like if they made a really big version of that, um, it would have to be held up with some sort of pedestal. Because as I thought about it, I realized, man, that would be so off balance if you had the saucer right. section, like just right. like like hanging out there, but. It would be really fun to rebuild that. It's got enough color to it um, with the blue and the red of the nacelles um, and and the the Fletcher dish that I think it would be kind of fun to put together. So that would be mine, and I feel bad because I know Dennis is a huge (laughs) Star Trek fan much more than I am. Uh, But to be fair, I didn't like the show, but I could see how rebuilding DS9 would be really cool. Um, oh, yeah, that would be cool. It's a cool, cool design. So what are your guys' uh, ultimate sets? I mean, yeah. yeah, again, it's a it's sort of an easy pick for me. I, I have always, you know, and I, I think it's a ridiculous comparison just because they both have Star in the name to compare Star Trek and Star Wars. But when I saw all of the Star Wars Lego sets, what I really wanted were Star Trek Lego sets. And I, when I was... I don't know, 14, 15, um, built a, an Enterprise original series, uh, you know, no, no letters, NCC 1701. Um, I mean, all in different colors because I didn't have enough gray Lego. And it definitely had to, like, be suspended from string because it's, it's very much designed to exist in space without gravity, <laughs> um, especially yeah, the, right. the, the original ship. But I mean, yeah, that would be my <clears throat> that would be my original the, the, my my pick, the original uh, Enterprise for sure. Enterprise, man. It, what about it's hard you, Mike? We, we kind of sprung this on you. So. Yeah, I, so I wasn't sure about this one. It's it's hard to say this one because, honest to God, Lego has everything. I mean, what don't <laughs> they have? I mean, what do I say here? Robocop. You know, I mean, I I it's it's you'd have to really pull down deep into the stuff, and I think the only things that would be to make a Lego set must buy would have to be something that fits within that kind of cartoony type thing. I, and I can't think of anything off the top. Of it. They they did the Star Wars things, and all of those are awesome. I mean, the Star Wars Imperial Star Destroyer is amazing. The Death Star they've got it's pretty cool. Millennium Falcon amazing. Um, but even those, I, I mean, they're just so overpriced, I guess, you know, to pay $250, $300 for a, 
for a puzzle and sure. not knocking it. I'm just saying that for me is a lot of money um, to, to just throw down on a one, one thing. <sighs> Another thing I could think of that would be for me is transformers. I mean, that yeah. would be the most complicated. Oh, that's kind of interesting. I was, I would, I was, gonna pitch that. I was like, I was like, I'll bet not I'll Michael bet Bay transformers. transformers. No, not Michael Bay transformers. Old school. They're kind of blocky. They fit within that cartoony kind of type. But it'd be awesome if you made it. And there's a lot of color. Well, yes. I think they have to be able to transform. That would be the coolest part. If you could engineer that idea where you could turn it into the truck and then back yes. in office from I got to tell you, yes. Mike D, that you're onto something there because I think Lego could do it. I, I do. I think that, that your Optimus Prime, you mentioned the, the old school ones weren't terribly complicated. We had to switch things around and spin and snap mm-hmm. and do whatever things. The old ones were pretty easily like six moves or something, and they were just fold the arms in, fold the legs back, and put the head down, you know. Um, so you could totally do a Lego Transformers of the Generation 1 kind of stuff, and, and that would be pretty fun. What do you th- Again, I would get, I would get tw- you know, 30 bucks. Fifty bucks, whatever to buy. I'd probably be a hundred bucks for Optimus Prime, but and you get two or three toys out of it, and you get to make it. That would be cool. What do you think about a horizontal um, set that you put together that is like level one dash one of Super Mario Brothers? So you have a big green, like long uh, form, and then you actually put out like the mushrooms and the the blocks, and you suspend it from in some way um and then you build like a little 8-bit mario from the basic blocks i feel like oh, cool. that's actually not too bad of an idea i think that's as you're describing this here's what i'm imagining i'm imagining a poster okay like like a flat right right, poster, right exactly right but 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 actually sorry let's take that one step further a puzzle so it's it's not it's not a poster it's a puzzle and you have to piece these together but instead of puzzle pieces they're lego pieces and there's a three-dimensional thing to it so it goes up as well. So you have the, the mushrooms that go up and the tunnels that go up as well with all Lego pieces. That would be kind of cool. The only the only issue that I have with that is I feel like you could do that with normal blocks. Well, you, you could, but you need certain normal blocks. I mean, but I think it would be fun. I, what I'm actually imagining is like a long diorama. So like yeah. you basically build a sort of like a long rectangle so you could suspend the clouds and the, you know, and the, the things from the sky, like the, uh, the, the blocks you got to hit with like thin translucent pieces um yeah. and so that it like a single stack right strap this it, transition exactly right and then it looks like you could put mario go left to right all the way to the castle i think that would be i think be, that's yeah awesome. i think it'd be pretty cool you you'd have to make them small like small blocks oh yeah yeah, to, yeah. To, to get the whole thing but i mean but that would totally be awesome to be fair, right? i yeah. have like a thousand you know piece ghostbusters house if i you know you could take all those pieces yeah. and turn it into a, a long vertical um uh sorry horizontal uh, lego set i think it'd be really interesting man fox you need to send in some put your stuff on the tip line for for that that's that'd be cool make sure they give you royalties for that that's awesome from nintendo as well Right. I'll split it among all of us when it comes in. Right. You, yeah. you know, it, it, you said like the, the, the Mario level one, one, sure. That's great. But you could do scenes from stuff. You could be like a, um, a scene from, uh, the star Wars or whatever, you know, and then that you, you have the, um, I'm trying to think the, uh, asteroid fighters thing where you, you're building the little asteroids everywhere with the translucent things that kind of make it stand up above, and you have the the Millennium Falcon that you build also, not 
huge Millennium Falcon, but say a four by four one, and you 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 make that whole scene with Tie Fighters or something. That would be really cool in a 3D Lego model. I like that idea. I mean, yeah. this is how stop motion really started, right? Because people realized that right. they could move the Lego figurines uh, just slightly to make it into a whole movie. Yeah. And, yeah. and now we have let's, Lego movies. Let's do it. Let's right. do it. Let's make this happen. Come on, Lego people. I would. I, that You know what? That's the first time that I, I read this little thing on our, our sheet says instant buy. I actually would kind of instant buy that stuff. If it's a 3D scene or a, a, an area or a place in a game, you know, that I would totally, or a movie, whatever it might be. I'd totally do that. That'd be, that'd be a buy. So, so speaking of, speaking of Mario and Nintendo, um, yeah. Fox, why don't you, uh, why don't you pitch us on the Nintendo Switch? Nintendo Switch. As if anybody, the like, Switch. everybody knows how amazing the Switch, the, oh, the this Switch is. Good. Yeah, but so, our, our good buddy Trotsky is trying to, uh, is trying to talk everybody into buying the Oculus Go, and I don't. Do either of you have that? No, uh, I do not. V- VR device, not, not. I already own Catan the game. Not I don't plugged need into the Oasis yet. Um, oh God! What? Uh, oh, all right, so so I'm I'm kind of waiting. Which... I'm I'm interested in this pitch by Fox for the Switch. Sure. Yeah. Let us let us have do Fox. this. All right. Because let's have it. So, if you, it has two basic games. Which are That's made right, for no, 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 no. It has two basic <laughs> games, which are made for all kinds of players. You, hey, have, by the way, you, Fox, you have permission to treat this witness as hostile. Go ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Going to. I always treat you as hostile. Like, come on, man. All right. So here's the thing: Legend of Zelda or uh, Breath, Breath of the Wild is one of the hardest games I've ever played. Um, really? I am surprised that I cannot beat certain levels. That, that is you played old Donkey Kong games. Now, right I will there. say, I consider myself a Zelda master. I have beaten yeah. every Zelda game to date. Okay. I find this game incredibly challenging. It mixes the elements of the most recent Fallout, Fallout 4, with old school dungeoneering. So you can mix things together um, and collect elements to build things like potions like food uh to help you in your dungeoneering but it's still like really precise it is a game made for adult players so it, there's it's that it's not a platformer is it no nah, i mean not really i mean you can climb you can glide you can swim you can run you can get on horseback okay. i wouldn't call it a platformer pretty standard now, rpg from what i've seen it's an, okay. It, I mean, I don't, an I don't mean standard yeah. derogatorily. I'm, I'm just... No, no, no. It's an adventure RPG. Okay. On the other side of the fence, you have Mario Odyssey, Super Mario Odyssey, which is okay. gleeful. It is so much fun. And you can play through the game as an experienced player, maybe in a few days. But if you want to try and get all the moons, it's moons this time, not stars or whatever it's been. <laughs> stars, yeah, whatever. Right, right. But like, it will totally bend your brain and it will make you try to figure out the physics of what Mario can and can't do in a way that is absolutely phenomenal. If you were to break down the hours you would spend between those two games, you would absolutely come out on top. Now, that said... In addition, you get non-Switch games that have been upgraded to be 
better on this platform. So you get Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is just super fun. The the races and the tracks are really enjoyable and really challenging. If you can beat those levels on 150cc, I will bow down to you, sirs. <laughs> uh, on top of that, you get, you get the Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze game, which was really good for the Switch Deluxe, or not the Switch Deluxe, what was the Wii... We play, Wii or what, Wii yeah, Wii U, which yeah. no one played, and so a, a great game got lost, and now it's on the Switch. But finally, this is the reason you need to get it because I want to beat your asses in <laughs> Smash Brothers <laughs> when it comes out. One of my favorite oh. games of all time. I want to get on microphone, headset, record it as we're oh, beating us up, or we can play on a team because it supports up to eight people. So that means all man. three of us could be on the same team. I, I, I look at I, I look at at Smash, all the Smash Brothers games is that, like I hold the controller and the, I go into an epileptic seizure because there's just so much happening <laughs> that I have no idea what could possibly that's, be going. That's on. That's how that's funny because that's how I feel and I do not have massive nostalgia for fighting games. Like I mean, I guess oh, I, I, I did play games. a couple on the original on the original um, um, PlayStation, but that's that's funny. Well, the other thing. Um, that that Fox didn't mention that Mike I know should be of particular interest to you is they ported okay, Skyrim right. onto this thing. I know how much you love I, the world of of Tamriel do, and the Elder I, I am, Scrolls. I am not a fan of of a, of a company or a game saying, "Hey, here's this ten year old <laughs> game that we finally have because we're finally able to do it." I'm like, that's that's I not heard, a. Song. I heard recently that they uh, uh, I forget the company name now, but they are porting the game Warframe. Is it Again, the game that's been on PlayStation since the opening thing, you mean, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I played it on PC. It's apparently very popular, but just nobody talks about it. Um, right, is, right. Well, so let me ask this, this Fox here. I, I, I think that I think that that trying to sell me a, the game, by the way, I, I want to state here, I'm actually want to buy a Switch. <laughs> I'm just not finding compelling reasons at this time. Okay. Well, here's the thing. And, 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 Wait, wait, wait. Go just ahead. a second here. Yeah, yeah, I think that everyone tries to sell me on the wonderful awesomeness of the games. Now, I have always been a Nintendo game first party person fan. Who isn't? The world loves Mario and Zelda. Okay, great. But I, I cannot and have not ever bought a system based on a game or two or three. Because you know what? I can find kind of the, a fun platformer on any system. I can find a good puzzle game on any system. I can find a good RPG on any system. But what is it that the Switch does? Like the hardware that you yeah. personally enjoy that would be like, oh, no, you know what? You can't get this anywhere else. This is something that's this is an experience that I have. Yeah. So that makes this, me feel like this better. is what I see coming. I think it's the, me okay. the mechanics mixed with the accessibility. So okay. what I am looking forward to is I would love to right now nestle into my couch and play yeah. against you in Mario Kart, a very yeah. simple game with beautiful graphics. That's mm -hmm. not the complexity of Fortnite, not the complexity or the intensity or the suspense of Overwatch, but something yeah. just you can just chill and play with a buddy. That's what I think the Switch is about to offer, like where you can kind of just nestle in and enjoy yourself. Um, there's the that's the uh, that's the corner I think they're trying to market. 
That, that, that's what Nintendo kind of always has, though. That's well, what the they, 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 is, right? the Wii did not do it, though. It was too hard to play online. The, you know, connectivity was bad at, on its best day. So I think this is going to be so much better at encouraging people to come into a virtual community. And so this is what I'm envisioning. I want a day where you, me, and Dennis are on a Smash Brothers team playing as a computer and just yelling at like, okay, this is the challenge we're going to beat as a team, as brothers. Okay, That's what I'm looking forward to. And it's not high stakes. It's not like... Oh, I'm getting I'm getting sniped by an eight year old kid who you know been playing all day at home. I want something a little bit lighter, a little bit easier, but something I can play with my friends online. That's I'll what they say, think the Switch I'll, is offering. Go ahead, Dennis. I'll say, uh, oh man, I've I've so many things, but um, we, <laughs> so many things. We got okay. we got one of these for um, my little sister, and um, I I've had two experiences with it. I've not like borrowed it and she doesn't have breath of the wild so i haven't like borrowed it and and played i i do a lot so much of my gaming solo or in 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 solitude i play heroes of the storm i'm back in wow and i mean wow is an mmo but nobody i can't talk any of my friends into playing wow again so i'm playing by myself (laughs) although you have tried i have i have two experiences (laughs) um with this console my sister tried to get me to play um uh shoot what's that What's that farming game? A Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. And I'm like, I'm like, I see the appeal of this. I've done this exact thing in a dozen other games. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dive deep on a game on somebody else's console. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. But um, I, I see the appeal of it. Like, it was fun. But we played a game called Snipperclips, um, which I bought for my nieces. Uh, it's on the Switch, right? Yeah, because they have a Switch also. And it's this weird sort of like each of you are playing a character and when you um stand I in, liked it. in the same space and push a button, it like cuts a chunk out of your character and you have to do that to solve puzzles. Um and so it's very cooperative. It's very um I don't even know how else to describe it. It's great. Um, great, great. It is, is that, great. Is that your is that your rating? Great. No, it is great. It's really interesting. It's, it's, it's really different. hard to describe. It's You'll thinky. have to. I'll I'll maybe find a video and post it on the show notes. I've but, played it. I know. Um, I I played it the other night. The the other experience is um my my sister has much more uh, self discipline than I do. She bought um Mario Odyssey and had it for several months before she started playing it, um because she knew that it would kind of consume her time and so wanted to hold off on it and um she started you know she told me when she was going to start it she's like do you want to come you know watch or or whatever and um and we did that for a while and then got to the point where you could split off and one one player plays the hat it's sort of the the mario galaxy um what i yeah that's fine sort of derogatorily <laughs> called called girlfriend mode but um i actually surprisingly maybe not that surprisingly but it was a lot of fun for me to i was just the hat like she was running the oh that's right the, the hat the game like she was playing and i was like oh I'll, I'll go over here and grab this it's kind of an interesting kind of cooperative um um experience um i really i really enjoyed it more than i more than i necessarily expected to um the, the hat but i i heard 
recently that the statistics for the console are pretty close to 50-50 between um, play on a TV and play handheld mode. Which Yeah, how do you play that, Vox? How do you play it? It doesn't necessarily mean that that every player does half and half. I'm sure there are some people who use it almost exclusively handheld. Some people use it almost exclusively with a TV. But it's sort of that flexibility is something that maybe seemed risky, but seems to be paying off for Nintendo. Like, they found a sweet spot where there are people who... All the people who would buy the, the Wii and all the people who would buy uh, any of the DS line in one in one uh, system. It's really easy to switch over. I hate to use that word, but I mean, I play it on a big screen and I enjoy having a console type controller that is wireless, but I get the appeal. It's basically a mini iPad. So you can pick it up and you can lock the controllers into each side of it and kind of take it with you with ease because as you get used to the controls, at least for some of the launch games, Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, it's not that hard to like transport your whole system and your whole game and the memory file to wherever you want to go, which is really novel. I like it on a big screen because the graphics do blow up really nicely. Mm. So like if I'm watching it on 150 inches, uh, you know, 1080p, it looks beautiful. Um, but if I wanted to like kind of beat a few levels or, you know, master a few uh, dungeons really quickly, I could do that at the touch of a button. So I think the portability is very cool, but I also love the fact that when I plug it into my high definition system, it looks amazing. You know, that's, that's one of the selling points that could be the selling points for me is that, that I could play it pretty high quality. I mean, it's not like PlayStation or Xbox quality, but it's still pretty good quality. I, I the way I understand it, I think it's close, and, it's close uh, because and it, you, it's close because it's less realistic, Mike. I think that's the thing. Like, they've decided, like, yeah, we can't make photorealism as you would get in, like, Call of Duty or Halo or God of War or, or you know, um, Gears right. of War. They don't care because they're making more animated style things, and so it looks beautiful still in its own way. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm the thing that makes me lean most to actually getting this thing is that um, Sydney can be watching the the TV or whatever she might watch, and then I can I can sit next to her still and be playing and kind of be part of that, but still be playing. Yeah, you know, that's the, that's one of the my, things that that I've heard some of the other um, shows that I listen to. The the guys hosting those podcasts are like young parents or or whatever, and it's very it's very conducive to like. You know, my, you know, whoever the host, like their spouse or, you know, wants to watch a show. They're not super interested in the show, but they can play a game and still be physically together without, um, you know, going to a system like the DS or a mobile game where you're you have a significant downgrade in um, experience. And I'm. That's, I'm casting huge aspersion on, on mobile games and, and DS, though mobile games are crap. I don't really know about uh, current, no, I agree current generation the, the of, of DS that... games. But it's the same. And so then, like, maybe when they're done watching their show or some other time, like, you plug the system into the TV and now you're in full, you know, full screen game experience. And it's the same I mean, the game. That's the key thing for me, right? right there. Is that, that I could do that. That I could be playing, like, kind of, let's say in downgraded mode or something. But... 
you know, when I want, I go back up to full graded mode. I, I've never mind that. I always thought that even PC games should have like a component where I can, I can play a degraded version on my handheld or something and then switch it up to the big screen and be totally fine. So that is, that is something for the switch that makes me feel like, okay, this has potential. And I like hearing about the different kinds of games that you guys are talking about and how they are fun and exciting. And Fox, when you were talking about like being able to sit on the couch, that's actually what I was envisioning a bit was that I would be able to sit and play this game with friends on a couch and not have to be ostracized by the fact that I'm with, you know, I'm playing an online game with other people instead of people who are in the room with me. Like, I'm still kind of there, but I'm still playing with friends. I just, I, that's the thing I miss, Mike. I miss, I mean, I have to be saying, like, I'm getting older. Like, I can't compete in Fortnite. I can't compete in Overwatch anymore. I kind of want a simple game that I can really enjoy as an adult. Um, Borrowing on my previous experience playing platformers and have a great time. I think when the latest iteration of Smash Brothers comes out, that's going to be the game I play. Or I could play Mario Kart with y'all and be like, oh, you know, let's pass each other. Hey, blue shell, blue shell coming. You know, like that, shell, that's, 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 that's what I want to do at this point in my life. And so I think it's, <laughs> I think the switch has been made for, dare I say it, like people approaching middle age and they remember the golden game of the golden age of gaming. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll definitely keep my eye on this thing, especially come um, the the Christmas time when, when we all hope that they'll have a, a price drop. And if they have a price drop and if it's even if it's just 50 bucks, I might because I mean, that's a game. Yeah, right? I'm, like, I'm, in, I'm in the same boat game. and I not to say that I don't believe it's worth every penny of full retail. Um, it just, you know, with with all the with all the money I spend on various other forms of gaming, it's it's still a still kind of a hard sell but yeah um, you know what no. we we do live in a great age where we have choices yeah it's not just nintendo or and, sega and there's clearly one that's better as, than the as, other. as they say an embarrassment of riches uh, yes right so sure. so that that's definitely for sure all right so we've only got a, a short amount of time here left let's let's do a quick uh recap because only real quick one dennis let's talk about our weekly challenge basically. all right i don't i think uh fox are you are you can you stick around, or or do you have to? Uh... No, I'll stick around. This has been way too much fun. I can't leave <laughs> y'all now. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this week's challenge has been something we chose, Fox. I'm not sure if you've seen this one, but it, we can at least talk about the genre a, a bit. Um, this one is we watched uh, the. It's is it on Stars? Is that what? I'm, no, no, it's not on Stars. That's 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 the Outlander. Um, where did this come on from? What, which station is this, Dennis? You know, I have. Uh, the Orville. I, I have no. I have no idea. This is the. I want to say Fox. I want to say Fox. It's probably Fox. Considering it is on Fox. I know. Okay. I, wow. I know more about this show than you. Uh, imbeciles you know what, you know what this is? Seen it's it? Like, right. It's on a streaming network. Is whatever I watch it on. Yeah. It's um, on. So Hulu. we're watching The Orville, and it's Seth MacFarlane's The Orville. Um. So it's a. It's a Star Trek. Okay. So I'll, I'll, let me start. I'll okay, start with ahead, this thing. Is that I'm not. I'm. Not, I don't know what this show is. <laughs> and that's what a lot of comments I heard when reading about it just casually before we started watching this this show. Um, and I totally agree. I don't I don't know what it's trying to be. Um, it, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. They'll go on. There'll be Star Trek because it's a sci-fi show. There'll be Star Trek tackling new interesting issues with exploration or or whatever it might be. Their version of the Federation conflict. Um 
without the 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 set world rules of Star Trek, which makes it fun and interesting. So it's close enough to Star Trek, but not really. And then they will just randomly throw in modern Family Guy jokes, and it's funny if I was watching Family Guy, but it's right <laughs> in the middle of my Star Trek. You know, so I like both those shows, but I don't know how I feel about them together. You know what I mean? At one point, I'm laughing out loud. Another time, I want to find out the character development of this very serious thing about gender transitioning a child to another thing, which is right, a very serious right. issue. Not so, to, I mean, this the show yeah. is the show is episodic. It's like, um, and and we've talked various times on on this on this podcast about um, the sort of transition from episodic to serialized storytelling. Now that it's become almost trivially easy to catch up on a show there's no need for the stories to be episodic they can be serialized and the viewers are re- are responsible for you know catching up on the backstory or watching the recap and and you know filling in the, the blanks in their mind but yeah that's i mean i i really enjoyed this show but it it, it was it was very weird there were many times where i was like okay this is like they took all of the format and structure of a 90s, 80s, 90s era Star Trek, Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, like from yeah. from the, the, the opening scene and then the credits, and the credits are just a long instrumental sequence with shots of the ship flying back and forth. All of the, all of the renames of existing things. Um, you know, there's, yes. there's Krill, you, you, there's, there's various alien races and they're all different from the Star Trek races. Um, you know, the ships have, they have something like a tricorder that's not called a tricorder. They have a quantum drive instead of a warp drive. Um, it's, it's very much like, it feels like it should be a parody of Star Trek, but then at the yeah, same right? time is more closely mimicking the format of 90s era star trek than even like discovery yeah um you know it's not it's not serialized storytelling it's completely episodic with some minor you know season season long arcs um just like just like the old shows had but then what i what i've come to think of as like a fundamental component of Star Trek, this like um, utopian uh, vision of the future where everybody gets along and, um, you know, there's no, it's post scarcity and all of that kind of stuff. Um, There's none of that. The characters are all exactly like modern, like present day characters. Um, there's an episode that opens with them watching an episode of Seinfeld on the main viewer. Um, right. And so I'm like, what? What am I watching? This is so strange. And it's not that not that I didn't enjoy it. It was very entertaining. You get like you get like some of the same entertainment from what would be like a normal sitcom, but then all of the same like big picture, you know, exploring some uh relevant human topic through the metaphor of aliens and space travel just like you know star trek does all the time um but yeah it was 
it was it was it's, I enjoyed it, but it was it's it is very strange. It, it is, and and you know what the the best way that I think I watched I know we were only supposed to watch four episodes, but oddly enough, I started watching. I think I watched nine of these guys. I watched like because five, they are so. episodic and they're and they're easy to watch. Um, the the thing about this show that helped me around episode eight that oh I get this um, if time travel was possible and somebody came back and left the starship enterprise crash landed on earth and all of a sudden our technology just jumped you know a 200 years sure. in a span of 10 this is what would happen if all of a sudden we're in the future oh, now mm-hmm. you, you know what i mean yeah. all this and now we have got modern attitudes and thoughts and ideals and ideas and stuff but all of a sudden we're super te- advanced you know you would get people who are clowning at the at the controls of a ship and um, when they're they're on away missions, they would break down and not have the military training per se. But oh yeah, um, in like the second or third episode, the guy who is um, tactical, not tactical, because that's the navigator, the, the little girl, the na- the navigator. She's not a little girl. She's a a small, oh, you mean the security officer? a small yeah. woman who's ironically has super strength. Right? It's a funny yeah bit. But um, yeah, the the navigator like. I forget. He he fires weapons at something and explodes, and he he does a little. He's like, "Oh yeah, booyah!" You know, just normal, right. modern, present day kind of kind of reaction to that that sort of victory. And then he has to like, you know, pull, pull, adjust his Rain uniform shirt and whatever. He's like, "Sorry." Yeah, uh, yeah it's that right. weird sort of juxtaposition of of modern modern attitudes and ideals with the Star Trek era like technology. So I, so so I think the thing you said about, about time travel is a good, um, is a good comparison for that. I I wonder, I I wonder how long this, this season, this series is going to go because of that. I I think, who do you find for an audience for this? Do you find Seth MacFarlane people who love the, the, the family guy jokes and the real stuff? Or do you get the sci-fi people who are turned off by that kind of modern stuff? I, I don't really know. I don't know, really know who they're who they're going for and what audience and if it's they're going to continue to say. I think it's audience for it. I think it's probably their sweet spot is like Star Trek fans who don't take Star Trek too seriously, which that that's already narrow as it yeah, is. Yeah, right? it's it's hard to say. Like you know, again, to as much as I dislike the comparison, like Star Wars has. Plenty of fans that don't take the franchise too seriously. Um, right. Well, I mean, not the <laughs> Last Jedi takes the, takes uh, the franchise <laughs> too seriously. <laughs> That's so. You're saying ninety percent of the audience? Oh, is that you're saying? Go away. Uh, I'm saying ninety percent of the critics, which is what it got on Rotten Tomatoes. That's, that's true. That's true. That's true. Right. That's right. True. And, yeah. And not, I hate not that to, I cited with. Okay. Not to get into that that perennial topic. I I feel like my <laughs> my being less taking the franchise less seriously makes me is part of what makes me dislike that movie. But I think the deeper, the deep maybe possibly the deeper you are into star Trek exposure. Like if you've seen all of it, if you've seen all of the goofy time travel, tribble, um, um, Betazoids devolve into lizards, kind of goofy star Trek, you almost like there's so much of it compared to, 
whatever there are like I'm gonna count it and be wrong. There's like twenty, twenty-five hours total of Star Wars if you don't count uh all the animated stuff. Uh and I'm ballparking that number. Um there's hundreds and hundreds of hours of Star Trek content. Like and and a lot of it is just goofy. Just super goofy. And so if you if you are a you know longtime fan and have watched all of that I feel like at a certain point you have to accept that a lot of it is just not that serious. Like, yes, they tackle a lot of complicated issues. Yes, they do a lot of that are, you know, very, uh, you know, heavily influenced by the context of their time. Right. The original series came out in the 60s and, yes, had an American and a, um, a, a Japanese man and a Russian man all serving together with a with an alien who looked like maybe an elf or a demon depending on your perspective but the only woman on the bridge still has to answer the phone um you know it's it's the 60s and so there's there's a certain level like you can only really take it so seriously right and this is yeah. from the guy running a star trek role playing campaign like i i'm a big fan of this <laughs> franchise and i'm saying you can't take it too seriously. So, you know, that might be where their sweet spot is. I don't think it really appeals to the Family Guy crowd. Aside from the extent that I feel like Family Guy is really close to, like, you know, guys in their, like, 30s now at this point. Um, okay. My age and a little bit younger. Um, so that might that might help in that. I don't I don't think it's going to appeal to, like teenagers or people in their tw- but i don't yeah know. It's, it's, i don't it, really know it's, it's not it's not, i don't know if it's 18 to 34 i can tell you that much i'm not, I'm not sure if that's where they'll reach in it but well that, that's the, the key here is that if you know it could be fine one of the one of the things i liked about watching eight eight to nine episodes of this thing is that after i watched six I kind of liked the characters and they really did start to kind of grow on you. It's not like Firefly. When you watch Firefly in the, after the second episode, you're like, these are my guys. I like yeah. them all. And then it just yeah. keeps getting better and better. This one takes I mean, a nothing's slow Firefly. burn. Right. I, but you, you get what I mean with the characters. So, Mike, Number did one. you happen to watch the trailer for the second season, which debuted at Comic-Con a few days ago? And the reason why I'm asking is because I was very surprised at the tone of that trailer as compared to the tone of the trailer for the first season. Wait, are you talking about for for this series here? The Orville. Really? I didn't, heck, I didn't even know they were going to have a second season. So, <laughs> no, I have not watched it. They've got a trailer. So, I found it to be really compelling and really interesting. Um, I found it to be very serious and much more like Star Trek The Next Generation than what I saw from the Orville Season 1 trailer, which was very slapsticky in nature. Uh, Dennis, did you see the trailer? Can you comment on that? I, I, I did not, unfortunately. Well, now, now, we, now we want to watch it now that Fox has seen it. <laughs> Goodness, um, so it's serious. Okay, so they're 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 trying to find a niche that's that's more straightforward. It sounds like. I, I, well, in fact, the whole trailer was about first contact and the joy of first contact, mm. and that's sort of the whole idea from the trailer. But it was definitely more serious. It had elements of funny, but it basically said we are a science fiction show. 
right down the line where there's a little I, bit of I, adventure, there's a little I, bit of drama, there's a little bit of comedy. I feel like it's that's not a, in one genre. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's important because if you, if you, you know, if you just hear about this show, you're like, oh, it's kind of like Star Trek, but starring Seth MacFarlane. You expect to see the Family Guy Star Wars specials. Like you expect yes. a straight up farcical Galaxy Quest kind of parody. And this is not that at all. And so, I mean, there are definitely moments where it's funny, just like, you know, Star Trek has moments where it's funny. You know, Data tries to tell a joke, and you're like, oh, that joke's terrible. And somebody reacts to it, and you're like, ah, that's funny because he's a robot, and he doesn't. Like, it's funny, but in a in a less intentional way. Um, I mean, well, he, here's the thing. The word, but you know what I mean. Here's the thing is that the characters themselves, they, they, they're having a hard time telling us because of their multi-genre type thing, they're having a hard time giving us sense of real people. So for example, we'll just say the captain, which is Seth MacFarlane. Mm -hmm. He is, he at most of the show is a straightforward kind of guy who has a very identifiable type of thing. And then in just one random scene, you'll see him in a bathrobe drinking a beer in the morning and making a burp <laughs> joke, you know, and like, wait, this is not the character that I saw through the whole season. And then mm, here he is. It's not here. consistent. Yeah. Yeah. It's not at all. And all of the characters are like that. You'll get a guy who's completely a goof off who does nothing and he's flying the ship and he doesn't do anything seriously. And then he turns around and has a very serious heartfelt moment. You're like, okay, I know. I think I know where you're going here, but this is not the character. Well, I will say, it seems like if I had to take an outsider's opinion on this, I did not watch any of season one. I saw the trailer for season two and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the spiritual successor to Star Trek Next Generation. And Really? Yes. Really? Okay. That's exactly what I thought. Now, I don't know what happens in the first season, but I was like, oh my gosh, I watched this show. It <laughs> seems way more grounded, way more consistent, and way more smooth. And so what I'm curious about as someone who's not seen any of this stuff is should I watch that? You know, like should right. I, should I, cause parks and rec was like that, right? We all say that parks and rec has the worst first season to any show ever, but after season right. two, it's amazing. Yeah. It's maybe, a, it's maybe true. a tie between could this and, uh, be the, the sci-fi equivalent. That's very true. I mean, several, oh, several of the, I mean, next generation for sure. And I don't know, Voyager and Deep Space Nine both had fairly strong pilots, but um, the the whole first season of Next Generation is rough when they're still trying to figure out what their tone is compared to you know the original because it was the first it was the first one uh, you know first sequel um, and so you know maybe there's an element of I mean we've discussed at length how strange the the concept of this show is. It might have. It might just be that it took him a season. Now I've only seen five episodes, so I can't really say for sure whether you need to have seen the whole season. Um, it's it's episodic, so you know, just like most of the most of the original series, is I've I've been slowly working my way through Voyager and Deep Space Nine, which I never watched back in the day. Um, going off of uh, some sort of blog post recommendations of like. Here are the episodes you should watch, and then you can just skip these others, with a few well, with a few exceptions. Here's something. Here's something about this show that doesn't make that makes it good, but not episodic. Is that there are threads that, like the Next Generation, when you when you watch that, you know, when Worf, let's say, um, 
has character arcs and he becomes yeah, a different yeah. thing later on than he is earlier. And you, and you can see him change and become a different person. This one has that kind of stuff too. You, you have moments when, uh, uh, I think it's Alara, the security officer overcomes her kind of self doubts. And later on, she's a more confident person than she is earlier on in the season. Or there are, um, between the two male, uh, the species that are male and they have a, they have a baby. They, they've, they have issues throughout the whole rest For of sure. the, se- the season one based on the one thing that happened in, in episode two. So yeah, it is episodic. You don't need to watch it, but just like the next generation, if you do watch them all, there's a lot more growth that you see in appreciation for the whole series. So I don't I mean, I, I like it. Fox had said is that maybe this is the, is the first season of the, the parks and rec type thing. We just got to give them a moment to <laughs> course. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. I, you know what? Maybe I could get into this show. I, I was really, I'm still torn on it, eight or nine into it. I like it. I want to like it. So maybe that's where they need to start. They got people that want to like it. So maybe see. Now I got to watch. Now there's two trailers. You guys, I got to watch. Ugh. Oh, that's like all right, like six minutes out of your life. All right, Mike. Right, right, well, right. That's terrible. I I I assume over time we're we're probably going to finish watching this this season or or not. So we don't have to. We don't have to focus on it and talk about it again. So what uh, what do you want to do for next week for a challenge? Okay, so next in, week in is... In between packing and, and listing auction items and all the other Gen Con prep we have yes. to do in the next week, uh, rolling characters okay, so we should we, we shouldn't watch a series. I, I, I'm, I'm, I saw something pop up voices. that... Yeah, so I saw something that popped up, and, and I, I mean, I really love going back to our whole, like, challenge of seeing old movies but or old shows but i'm i'm gonna go with something new and modern and go to a, one of our things we used to do was a netflix original type thing okay um and a genre that you like but i've been mixed on it's anime uh there is a new godzilla movie that's an anime godzilla <laughs> it, it's it's for netflix it's a netflix original and it i watched the trailer for it because you know how they netflix likes to tell me what i should and shouldn't sure, watch um and this one looked really cool. It wasn't based on Godzilla per se, but all the other cool people around it and Godzilla being, it looks like it's Godzilla being a villain. So, and people trying to get people to fight Godzilla, which is kind of cool. Um, so anyway, that's what I think we should watch. It's like an hour and a half. I think is what it okay. is. Godzilla. Should be able to the 700 Godzillas we have. Cool. Well, I, th- I think that's going to be good for us this week. Hey, Fox. Thanks, brother, for coming on in. Oh, my gosh. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be here hanging out with you guys and talking all stuff geek related. I always have a blast. It's always, you know, a real pleasure to be here. Again, I encourage people when when Dennis, for some reason, finally gets that Star Trek episode aired. It's taken him so long to get done. Um, The the role playing thing to, to listen to Fox. He's our he's our commander on the show. And. You'll get a real take on his exasperation for us, so definitely check that out. Fox, You'll get something. That's right. Yeah. You get three level. You get three levels of Fox. You get you know Geek Scholar Fox. You get Front Porch Fox, and then you get the extreme <laughs> Star Trek <laughs> Adventures <laughs> Fox. Role playing game Fox. Fox, why don't right. you um, why don't you give a quick rundown uh, for the listeners where they can find you and and your work. So you can find me hanging out with Nathan Fillion. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> On weekends. Yeah, no. So you can find us at uh, geekscholars.com. Search for Geek Scholars Movie News Podcast. Uh, it's everything you need to know what's happening in the world of cinema 
every week uh, new trailers, new directorial decisions, new casting decisions. Um, we take a lot of our love from the front porch. So if you're a fan of this show, all listen to us. We're basically complimentary. We're the cousin show. All we don't in, kiss. All in glorious but... podcast form. Oh, no. We, we kiss. We oh. definitely kiss. And kiss. <laughs> All right, everybody, you have been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 48. You know you know what that means, Mike? Our Gen Con special is going to be episode 50. Whoa, it's the big, that makes sense. For that is special. I'll be there. I'll actually be able to hang out with you all in person. Right, you'll be on the show, I'm sure, at some point. You'll probably be the guy cursing in the background. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, that's Fox again. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to try and get together a panel of, uh, of Gen Con uh, hot takes, impressions, and and reactions. So look forward to that in a couple weeks. But um, um, special thanks, as always, as, as previous mentioned, Geek Scholars Movie News. Um, if you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, that helps us out a lot. Um, you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. Uh, there you'll find show notes for this episode and contact information. You can reach out to us. And let's see, I said I said Apple Podcasts already. That's all the stuff. So until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Michael. Oh, I'm Fox. I'm allowed to say that. I didn't know. Yeah. I wasn't sure I was in the corner. <laughs> Nobody puts Fox in the corner. <laughs> Night, everybody. Night, everybody.